Chapter 25 of The Friendly Five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sage Turtle, T-Y-R-T-L-E dot com. The Friendly Five by Mary C. Hungerford. Chapter 25. The Sphinx. The morning after the circus had left the town, as the older girls were going into one of the smaller recitation rooms to the English literature class, Edna whispered to Addie in the five minutes that were always allowed on every change of room, "'Hasn't the circus gone?' "'Yes, went last night.' "'And now we can't have our fortunes told.' "'Yes, you can, for Madame Bellotti hasn't gone. "'Oh, good!' i thought you'd be glad and she and her sister have promised to come up to the grove by the back gate at twelve o'clock of course she can't be fixed up as a sphinx because her rigging had to go off in the vans she's great fun anyway for one thing she can give you lucky numbers but she wants elfie to come she says she saw her once when you all walked to the village and she says there's something uncommon in her eyes that shows she's got second sight I don't know as we could bring Elfie, and I don't believe she ever saw her either. Then we'd better stay away ourselves, for Madame Bellotti will get out of temper and not tell us anything. Well, we must manage it somehow, but I do wish I could have seen Madame as a sphinx. Yes, that was a real good rig, but she's a Spanish gypsy, and she can tell fortunes just as well in a basque and skirt. She must have looked awfully funny said Edna. I told the girls I didn't care about seeing her, but I really did want to fearfully. She was very well made up, said Addie. All you saw was just a real head on a table. There were books and bric-a-brac and flowers on the table and this head right in the middle of them. There were curtains in front and a man drew these on one side to show us there was no deception and we seemed to be looking right under the table. Of course, we were not allowed to step near. Well, I am determined to have my fortune told, even if I can't see her as a sphinx, said Edna. I don't believe you will get it told unless you bring Elfie. I don't see why she makes such a point of having Elfie come. It's going to be a great bother. What did she say about it anyway? Well, I guess it is only some superstitious idea of hers about numbers. She told me a lot of stuff about a large sum of money she could get if she had a certain number, and the way to get the lucky number is to get a blonde orphan girl under six years old to be blindfolded and draw it out of a hundred others in a box. Oh, what stuff, said Edna. That's all bosh. I suppose it is, but she's awfully stubborn and says she won't come out at all if she can't have such a little thing as that done to oblige her. Well, it was kind of nice of them to stay a day after the circus just for us, but I don't see how it's to be managed. Candace is sick, that's one good thing, but that sneaky Marianne Stubbs is her guardian fiend. It would tell of us quick as a wink if she saw us taking the child out of the yard. I don't think Marion is given to tale-telling said Addie significantly, and Edna had the grace to color with shame at the memory of her own meanness in the matter of the composition when Marion refused to tell of her, for that she knew was in Addie's mind as she spoke. Well, anyway, I don't want the impertinent thing to know anything about it. If I felt sure of Lily, it would be all right. 
they will always leave Elfie with her any length of time, but Lily is queer sometimes, and I guess I better manage it myself. I thought Lily was coming with us. Lily, Katie, Delia, and Belle are all coming, and if Lily sees Elfie there with us, she won't say anything about it afterward, even if she does make a little fuss about it at first, but I know she won't take her herself. Well, manage it your own way. Instead of going home, I'll just walk down through the grove and meet you at the little iron gate. You must go right down as soon as recess begins, so as to have time to get through and back here to your dinner. There was no one but Addie at the little gate when the girls ran through the grove, but in a moment two bold-looking young women, very flashily dressed, appeared, walking leisurely toward them on the other side. "'There they come,' said Addie. "'Have you got the key to the padlock, Edna?' "'I haven't got the key that belongs to it, of course, but I have brought one that fits it perfectly well.' "'Oh, dear, suppose it shouldn't.' "'Never fear. I've tried it before.' said Edna, nodding her head wisely and fitting the key into the lock, which it turned easily. "'These ladies are Madame Bellotti and her sister,' said Addie, as a sort of introduction. "'But where is the Spazanks?' asked Elfie, looking greatly disappointed. "'I am the Sphinx, young lady,' said one of the women. "'That you've got arms and legs. Spazinxes don't have anything but heads and a big lace collar. I did see one in a picture. "'I don't have anything but a head when I was professional,' said the woman affably, but glancing around hurriedly as if she feared a possible interruption. "'But, of course, I can't walk without my legs.' "'But I don't see how you pull them off and put them on again.' said Elfie, sidling away with some timidity from a creature whose anatomy was so foreign to the established usages of humanity. And I don't want my fortune told. I'd rather go back. Oh, don't be afraid, said Madame Bellotti sweetly. I have nice little girls of my own at home, and here's my sister. She has lots of pretty dings in her bag. She'll show them to you while these young ladies let me read their poems. Elfie felt less dread of a person who made no pretension to being a sphinx, and was soon examining with great interest a box of trinkets which the woman told her were genuine gypsy queen adornments worn at gypsy courts on great occasions. Meantime, Madame Bellotti was gazing with mysterious scrutiny upon the lines of Katie's pretty pink palm, and predicting a mosaic of ill and good fortune so nicely blended that Katie felt that her entire life, as thus set before her, had little to embitter it. "'Now try mine,' said Lily, "'and be sure you put in a trip to Europe, with a winter in Rome and another in Paris.' "'There is much pleasure for you, my pretty young lady,' said the prophetess, and some pain to endure before the pleasure comes, but there's money and fame for you finally, and great prosperity, and a long life with somebody. Why, there's a mysterious somebody in everyone's hand, is there? asked Lily. I wonder who my somebody is. A tall, fair man with a long mustache, said the fortune teller oracularly. Well, said Lily. You may keep that young man yourself, for all things I hate tall, fair men. My papa is little and broad, and he's my type of everything good, and I wouldn't marry a man who wasn't just like him for the whole world. Oh, Lily, do shut up, whispered Edna. You'll make her angry, and then she won't finish. But Madame seemed in no way disconcerted or offended by Lily's trifling, and continued to promise her quite an extensive variety of experiences. 
Then Edna offered her hand with its too ample embellishment of rings, and Madame gave them quite a little turn by the excitement she manifested on studying its interesting lines. A most wonderful hand, lady. I have never seen but one like it. It holds a destiny that frightens me. Do I dare to tell you? Let me think a moment. Here she grew so awful and mysterious in her manner, while she turned the hand one way and the other as if to get new light upon the doom there depicted, and the girls grew deeply absorbed in their attention, clustering close around her in forgetfulness of everything else. The air was heavy with the August noonday heat. Above in the grove the meeting branches hardly stirred. Even the birds and the insect world were still and the only sound that broke upon the oppressive silence was the distant rush of water that fell over the little dam half a mile away from them. I thinks I cannot tell you at all, said the fortune teller, raising her hand and looking about her hurriedly. Some young ladies, when they hears what is not good, they faints and goes on very bad, and their friends makes a fuss and scolds the poor gypsy who only tells what she reads, and it is not her fault if it is not good. But I will not fate or make a fuss said edna looking pale and frightened i am not afraid no you needn't be said lily making an effort to throw off an uncomfortable feeling that the woman's intense manner had given them all i don't believe in fortune-telling anyway but it is true i have the power to see the future to see the past too said the woman shall i tell you all about your past life this to edna who murmured an assent well then you have lived in fine house and had much fine dresses and jewels and you have lost a friend and you have lately had a letter these shrewd guesses based on the sight of edna's showy rings and very light mourning seemed like very conclusive evidence that her father's wealth and her grandmother's death last year were entries in the book of faith that was open to the bold black eyes and edna became almost afraid to hear the dark prophecy that she was threatened with "'Tis a strange fate, very strange,' said the woman, again musing over the hand she held, but stealing an anxious glance at a little nickel watch that hung by her side. "'I will hear it,' said Edna, tragically, nerving herself for the worst. "'Nonsense,' said Lily, catching a glimpse of her ghastly, agitated face. "'You are taking all this stuff in dead earnest, Edna, and it will make you sick. Oh, dear, I wish we hadn't come. Mrs. Abbott will be so displeased.' come girls let's go right home and she pulled out her pocketbook you shall have money from each of us madame bellotti but i think we don't want to hear any more solemn truths today edna who was rather a nervous girl was beginning to cry and the others frightened lest she should treat them to a fit of hysterics such as she had once in a thunderstorm and make it difficult to get her home quietly began to soothe her and try to coax her back to the gate Madame seemed a little indifferent about the money Lily and Kate fumbled in their purses to collect. Suddenly Katie exclaimed, Elfie, why, where is the child? Gone back into the grove, probably, said Addie, quietly, who felt calmer than the others because less responsible. She must be with Madame Bellotti's sister, said Lily, not yet feeling very much worried. Where is she, madam? The Sphinx was thrusting the money into her pocketbook and bowing as if to say farewell. Her face wore an anxious look, but she replied very civilly, pointing in the opposite direction from the road that led to the station. The little one is all safe. 
My sister gets her to draw for us some lucky numbers out of a bag, so we may get a great fortune from them. The drawing must be made under a red oak tree and in the sound of running water. That is very important. And hark! I hears running water off there, and as we walks up, I say to my sister, Some waterfall is down that way, and you must take the little girl there to draw the numbers from the bag. Shall I go look for her, young ladies, or will you go yourself and find her under some big oak tree near the falling water? The girls were running down the hill toward the little mill before Madame had quite finished speaking, but that oracular person did not seem disturbed at being left. She gave one glance at Edna, who, after a moment of hesitation, rather sulkily followed the others, and fleetly disappeared in the other direction. End of chapter 25 Recording by Sage Turtle, T-Y-R-T-L-E dot com.